All right, here we are. We made it to another Friday. Yeah, gosh, it's been a really hectic week, two weeks even. Um, but my kids don't have school today. And uh, so that like takes it down just a little bit, you know, the temperature. Funny, I was just walking over here and my little list goes, Mom, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to re record my podcast. She goes, you're what? I said, my podcast. She said, when do you, when did you start a podcast? I'm like a long time ago, babe. I do it every, like every Friday or every other Friday. She's like, huh, I had no idea. And that really sums up my life right now. It really does. It really, that is exactly the place I'm in. I'm simply the prop guy for the movies that these three kids are starring in. And do you think that's any different than any other mom or dad? No. Hmm. Uh, well, I don't know that there are a lot of dads that have this experience. There are some, but definitely I am solidly in the mom category, you know, mm -hmm. mom of tweens and teens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They and literally... Yeah. Nothing exists in their world, but themselves and their friends and their stuff. Their stuff. And it causes me to say just the most inane things to them. Like the other day I said to my son, after I volunteered in the pouring rain for three hours at his cross country meet, and he like, I don't even know what he was doing. He's just milling around with the teens. And I, and I have dinner to make and my mom doesn't know where I am and right go over to him and I said hey Jack when are you gonna be done he's like I don't know we still have to cool down I said well I I want to go like you need to do a better job of figuring out what's happening and communicating with me and he goes mom I was focused on my face and I just walked I was like I'll be in the car and when he got in the car, I said, here's what I realized. You do not understand that your time is not more valuable than my time. Mm -hmm. and, and then he was like, okay, sorry. Mm -hmm. said, and you're welcome for volunteering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just expect it. Yeah. And there's not, I've got a team too, 15 year old, and we talk a lot about her running late to things. Isn't just her running late to things. Her running late causes others to be late and others to be rushed and others and to be stressed and days to start off poorly. And that's just not the way to start off a day for anybody. And, you know, in my own kind and gentle way, sometimes I'm like, this is disrespectful. <laughs> It's just disrespectful. And you're not a disrespectful young woman. You're not. You're a nice, kind girl. You've got to think about others and waves around you. Um, so she's starting to, but man, it's just me, me, me. If I'm late, it's my deal. Don't, you know, don't bother. Um, so that's what we're learning in the teen years, I think, is that there are other people in the world. <laughs> a good way to frame it up 
And as parents, I think what I'm realizing is that even though I wasn't, I don't, I didn't feel prepared to have a newborn, you know, or an infant or a toddler, but I certainly contemplated and prepared, did preparatory things uh-huh. to be that stage of a parent. I am completely and totally unprepared to be the parent of a teenager. Completely. Well, let's talk about that in a different way, because that's the topic I wanted to bring up. And your analogy is one that I'm using with some of my clients. Mm -hmm. Um, It is really bothering me right now that many of my clients who are very successful women talk about their imposter syndrome and, Mm -hmm. and that's why they come to coaching and so I've been really been wrestling with this and um, in lots of ways. So I, I'd like to just tell you what I've been bouncing around first uh, and then get your take on it because um, I looked up imposter. I mean, that's such a negative word. So I, I, I looked it up. Imposter means a person who pretends to be someone else in order to deceive others especially for fraudulent gain. I don't see any of these women that I'm working with who are trying to deceive others or trying to defraud others, uh, certainly not for their gain. Uh, They're merely trying to be in a leadership role um, in an organization. And so I've had conversations like, you know, have you ever in your life really felt like an imposter previously. And, uh, you know, sometimes that comes up that, well, when I was pregnant, um, when I was first a mom, I felt like an imposter. Um, when I was first married and suddenly I was a wife, you know, I felt like an imposter. I, I felt that I, I, I'll never forget. Mike and I dated for six years then we were engaged for two years then we finally get married. We go off on honeymoon, come home. And I think it was our first week in our little apartment. I'm slamming stuff around in the kitchen and I'm burning them dinner and I'm on the edge of tears. And, and he walks in, he's like, Hey, what's wrong? And I'm just like, Phew. and uh, he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I, I cannot, I cannot be a wife. I cannot be a wife. And, and he was like, what is wrong? And I'm like, wife's cook dinner every night. It's really good. It's this and that it's put together. It's ready to go. And I'm like, Oh, and and so all this stuff about imposter syndrome, I'm like, are we as women dangling over our necks, some vision, some beliefs, honestly, some bias, that others hold about what roles and titles mean. Mm-hmm. And, and we just subconsciously take on those biases that others give us. And then we, we just feel badly when we're starting something new. And all mm-hmm. it is, is it's a new role. Yeah. It's, you know, I think imposter syndrome is really just the meaning that we make out of trying something and either failing at it or succeeding at it, right? 
-hmm. we attach so much more meaning than really actually exists. Yeah. Um, and I'm definitely doing that with my teenagers, you know? And so, um, and your clients are doing it with these new jobs that they're in or, or just new opportunities, right? Maybe it's not a different job, but just an expanded, uh, responsibility. And so we, we attach this meaning that isn't necessarily true or correct or Mm -hmm. as weighty as we're making it. Mm -hmm. Weighty Uh as a good word. I I thought syndrome. Wow. What a powerful Mm -hmm. word, especially for people in healthcare. Syndrome's Mm -hmm. a big deal. Mm-hmm. Imposter syndrome is not a real syndrome. It's not mm-hmm. classified in the disease classifications. It's just a term somebody made up. And wow, we have just like put it on our shoulders and we're carrying it around. And um, we've absorbed this, this bias that others give us. And it makes me just want to go, seriously? We're, we are all trying to raise women in career and at home to say, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. And yet we're personally absorbing this implicit bias that we can't. Mm-hmm. And then calling it a syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. That's... I hadn't thought of it that way before. Yeah, we need to, we need to take the temperature down of even and trying to understand why we don't show up feeling confident. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, An analogy that worked with one of them uh, recently was, okay, think back about graduating from eighth grade. And suddenly everyone's like, you're a high schooler now you're a freshman and you're like, oh my God. I don't feel like a freshman. I've never even been to the high school. Oh my gosh, those teachers are just going to be so much different and so much smarter. And oh my God, we're going to be seniors in high school. And you go through this all summer. Yeah. And, And I asked, what did you do between eighth grade and actually becoming a freshman to feel more comfortable? She was like, well, I talked to a lot of students. I actually went to the school and and took a tour. I figured out what my class schedule was and I memorized it. Um, I went and got some new clothes and I'm like, okay, so that's all this is. Mm -hmm. Talk to people, figure out some tips, figure out some tricks, figure out how you might do things to prepare yourself to feel like you can walk in and merge in. Mm-hmm. You don't just go from eighth grade to ninth grade. Well, and it's interesting as you're saying that, it's making me think about all the things we do to manage our discomfort oh. with something new. It's just and new. that's, you know, that's the thing is you can do all those things or not do them. It's still, you're still going to be in a place of discomfort Sure. going into high school, Yeah. right? You're going to still be in a place of discomfort, um, taking on a new role. I'm going to continue to be in a place of discomfort as long as I have teenagers, Yeah. (laughs) right? So it's, how do we, how do we increase our tolerance for discomfort? 
How do without we having to completely freak out? Right. Get the world is over. Right. Get comfortable with discomfort. Right. Yes, it just is. Your teenagers are going to change every day and they're going to throw you loops and test every day. I don't know how to prepare for that, but just knowing that, you know, starting your freshman year of high school, the first few weeks are just wonky because you don't know where you're going. You don't know your teacher's names. You might have upperclassmen wanting to hassle you a little bit. It just is. Um, but you know that you're going to get there and you're going to get to that into that freshman year at some point and be ready to be a sophomore. Wow. Yeah. I think my epiphany in this conversation right now is that, you know, we're all in, we, when I say we're all, I'm, I'm talking about your clients. I'm talking about myself. I'm talking about my teenagers. We're all in a stage of discomfort. Uh-huh. And how can I become more just okay with that instead of attaching so much meaning to the daily drama that my children have? And as well, I keep getting told by friends, like, don't worry, they'll come back around uh, because, you know, right now they can't stand me. They no, won't. They won't. Um, Not until they're about 24 or 25 years old. Okay. Yeah. So I have a long time to wait. Yeah. So how can I increase my own tolerance for the discomfort that my kids think I'm late? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My kids don't really want me around, at least not in public. Not in public. They don't want you to be physically seen or heard because it might cast a shadow on them, but they do want to know you're in the background. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. You're that secret safety net at this point. They're trying to tiptoe out into the world. And they can't do that if you're overshadowing them. So I don't have to be so disappointed that my son wouldn't let me bring a cowbell to the classroom. (laughs) No, you don't. It's a great cowbell. Honestly, it's like the best cowbell I've ever seen. I got it on Amazon. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Let me bring it. I would love for you to bring a cow cowbell if we ever get to race together. That would be awesome. Okay. Well, if I'm racing, I'm not going to use the cowbell. Oh, that's true. We'll give it to somebody else and use it for us. Mm -hmm. I actually, my daughter really wanted to bring, my youngest wanted to bring the cowbell to my marathon. And I said no, because I imagined myself at mile 14 or 15, which is when they showed up to first support me. I imagined her waving it in my face and that I would just lose it because she wouldn't be able to, you know, restrain herself with a cowbell. Yeah, she probably wouldn't. No, she wouldn't have. She was pretty disappointed. So so you were disappointed that Jack wouldn't let you bring the cowbell, but you wouldn't let her bring the cowbell to your race. What does that mean? Terrible. I'm a hypocrite. (laughs) (laughs) So talk about your race. What, What did you learn from it? Uh, what did Congratulations. I Marathon. You. My gosh. 26 miles is a long, long way. Yeah. Um, I learned that I'm mentally tougher, even though I'm physically, I'm physically weaker than I was seven years ago, the last time I did a marathon. And certainly 20 some years ago, which was the first marathon I did when I was like 20, early 20s. I'm a lot mentally tougher. 
than I've ever been. Ew. And I'm quite a bit physically weaker than I've ever been. And so uh, anyway, that was the positive is that I took out of that was that I'm mentally tough because when it got really hard and it did, and I wanted to stop so bad, um, I didn't stop. I kept going. Even though I had all the thoughts that people have at mile, like between 19 and 23 for me is the time where like, if I'm going to quit and like go get a cab and go home, it's then. Yeah. Um, I didn't stop. But the other thing that is interesting about having done the marathon, and remember I did it because I was like being a professional couch potato, um, is that and I, and I said, I want to be healthier. So I'm going to run a marathon and I ran it and I'm still the same amount of healthy that I was before. <laughs> so I need to, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I still am like eating junk food a lot. And I, so I just, I need to spend some time thinking about what, what does health mean to me? right? Like what meaning can I make out of wanting to be healthier? Because mm -hmm. it, it, if, if it's a pant size, then I'm failing. And yet I just ran a marathon, mm -hmm. right? So there's some work there for me, which is great because I am also working on these things with clients, yeah. which makes me credible right. as a coach. It does. It does. And the marathon proved um, your mental toughness to you, which might have been the most important lesson that you actually needed. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out because I, I, I think I needed to be reminded. Yeah. So you've learned your mental toughness. I'm learning that, you know, imposter syndrome really um, is a weighty term that women like to use when it's really just all about, we are continuing to grow. And some of this might have to do with, um, when you're little, at least I did, when you're little, you're like, I can't wait to grow up so I can make all the rules and I can know everything. I think we all believe that. And I think we believed that when we grew up and became a parent, especially, we would be all knowing and we're finding we're not. And I think that makes us feel like a failure. Mm -hmm. And I think we do take on the biases of all this culture, all this paternalism, all this stuff mm -hmm. that we keep trying to help women with. Um, and yet we express it every day in these ways. So mm -hmm. I'm going to sit with that still for a while. Lots of epiphanies today. Thank you. I know. Thank you too. Have a good weekend. Until next time. See you, Liz.